This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita School Superintendent Kelly Bielefeld. Welcome to Issues 2023. And Kelly, I hope I got your last name just about right. Was that close? Yes, you did, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> nice job. Uh, well, you started this job just about a month ago, uh, uh, as I understand it, after years of serving several school districts. And I believe you started your teaching career at Goddard. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, back in uh, 2000, uh, taught at Goddard High School when there was only one high school in Goddard. Taught there for about five years and then got into uh, administration uh, right after that. All right. I would like to start today with the uh, recently the Wichita Board of Education hiring uh, everyday labs to look into what's called chronic absenteeism in the schools. Now, how long has this been a problem? This is the first I've heard about this, Kelly. Well, uh, across the nation, it's been a problem, um, you know, for a while, but especially uh, post-COVID, all all districts, big and small, have seen, you know, an increase in chronic absenteeism. Uh, By definition, it means that a student has missed 10 percent or more of school days and that that's for any reason so uh you know being sick or or being unexcused and truant um and it's a marker that's important because um when kids hit that level especially year after year they end up missing so much instruction and and so much content that they get further and further behind um so the the board agenda item specifically was about a a technology program that's kind of automated um that we're going to pilot in 13 schools and it's going to allow us to um to track it a little more real time so that um you know if, if we're 20 days into the school year in september and the students miss three or four days already um, they may be for legitimate reasons, but we want to notify that parent through a text message or an email or a phone call and just say, hey, just so you know, here's the impact, the long-term impact of chronic absenteeism, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, drive those numbers down and get kids uh, back to school and, and in the in the seats and learning. Just anecdotally, have any idea what uh, some of the reasons are that the, the kids aren't making it to class? Well, I think I think there's a couple things. I mean, I think... For a good, you know, year, year and a half, we were the ones sending them home. We, you know, if, if they uh, were exposed and uh, or had a, you know, direct contact, they, they were quarantined for two weeks. Um, and, you know, we were able to do remote learning during that time, so we were able to keep kids somewhat engaged. But I think all of our, all of our society a little bit got uh, pretty skittish about, you know, going anywhere sick or even with a cough or a sniffle. So I think that that's a piece of it that um, coming out of COVID, um, that th- there was just some habits lost of showing up every day to school and, and a little bit more, you know, in tune to, uh, you know, uh, might be a head cold or allergies or, you know, whatever, that I think uh, families were a little bit more cautious about sending kids to school. Um, and, you know, it's a fine line, you know, it, it, we don't want to expose kids uh, to other illnesses and things, but, um, but we also know uh, now um, that as much as we can, we want kids learning about back in the classroom. All right, let's talk about, let's talk about you for just a second. What, wh- where are you from, and, and what's your education, Kelly? So I grew up in Abilene, uh, which is about an hour and a half from here, and uh, um, from there I went to K-State. And graduated in uh, secondary education, so moved down here. And like I said, I got a job at Goddard teaching, and then uh, went through WSU for my master's uh, and got my master's in building leadership um, in 2005. 
And from there, I had several uh, different principal jobs. So I started off at the Catholic school in uh, Kingman, Kansas, St. Patrick's, and was principal there two years. And went to Andale uh, from there, was elementary principal, and then Oaklawn. Uh, which is in South Wichita, but in the Derby School District. Um, and that entire time we had lived in Clearwater. So um, in 2014, I was able to um, go be the principal where my kids went to school in Clearwater and went there and was principal um, in fourth through eighth grades uh, for four years and then uh, was moved up to assistant superintendent and was assistant superintendent in Clearwater uh, prior to moving to Wichita in 2020 um, and took the job here in Wichita as uh, executive director of college career readiness. Um, so did that for three years and now now I have this job. And how is this much different than what you were doing before? I mean, uh, obviously you've been pretty much a superintendent a couple of times here until you got to this job. Well, yeah, district level leader, uh, but yeah, this this is obviously quite a bit different. Um, you know, the size of Wichita being the biggest district in the state, um, and by far the most diverse district in the state. Um, you know that that uh, is is unique, and you know, a superintendent job like this, where you know we have an amazing group of district leaders that um, you know take care of a lot of you know, in a smaller district like Clearwater that. The district office, I think, was about seven people, you know, and, and here uh, we have, you know, uh, literally hundreds of people that help to do all the ins and outs of, um, you know, everything from, from budget to HR to, uh, you know, handling our schools, uh, day-to-day operations, facilities, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, quite a bit different, but uh, going very well so uh, far. How many students are actually enrolled in Wichita Public Schools right now are coming up? Uh, last well, last year we were uh, at 47,000. Right now we're still in the midst of enrollment, um, so I don't have a number for you today. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little premature on that one. But how does 47,000, how does that compare with years past? It's my recollection that at times uh, we've been over 50,000 here in, in Wichita. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know exactly when the high point was, maybe 10 years ago or so, but I think it was, you know, 52 or 53,000. Um, I think the district was right around 50 to 50, 49 to 50,000 pre-COVID. Um, and then when, when COVID hit, we, we lost uh, a considerable amount of enrollment, um, about 2,500 students, and we've kind of been flat since then. So, um, you know, the impacts, I think, um, the, the impacts of that in, in all educational formats has been felt, you know, from, from private schools to home schools to public schools. So uh, it, it shifted um, priorities for families, I think, and families have found uh, either different options or other options. And, um, you know, it, it probably will probably continue to see that impact for a while, I'm guessing. Right, we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, how, what's going on with test scores uh, after have they improved since the pandemic? Um, the, it's, it's a kind of complicated answer. So for state assessments, you know, we took the, the year that Governor Kelly closed schools, we took that year off. We didn't test any kids. Uh, the following year, we saw a, a significant decline across the state and in our district. Um, and this year, um, we, we saw a, a moderate increase, a slight increase in our state assessment scores. Um, another metric, though, that I think is important that I think a lot of uh, it translates to a lot of people outside of education is, is our ACT score. Um, our average ACT score as a district kind of leading up to 
2020 um, was improving and increasing, and we had gotten to I think 17.1 was our average, and, and pretty much pretty much all of our juniors in, in the district take the ACT. So regardless if with if they're college bound or not, um, again we COVID came, we saw almost a full point decrease. Um, from that to the next year, so we were at I think 16.1, um, and then and then this past year we were at uh, 16.9. So we're not at our, our pre-COVID levels, um, but we bounced back in a big way, um, and and I think we'll continue to see that number go up um, as we we just reacclimate kids to learning, reacclimate kids to school, and uh, are able to focus on you know the important important pieces of learning and, and reading and writing and computing. So. Oh, classes begin August 15th. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we're, we're definitely ready. It's been a very positive start. Um, you know, we brought about 400 new teachers in yesterday. Uh, we bring them all into Northwest High School and have a big, big event where we, uh, you know, introduce them to the district and, and train them up. Um, all of the rest of our teachers will, will be back uh, on Thursday, uh, August 3rd. Um, so uh, we're excited. Uh, we're, we've got uh, a lot of a lot of new faces around the district, but a lot of a lot of great energy moving forward. So we'll we'll be ready for for the kids. You have a student body there that's uh, can we say very diverse or diversified, whatever. Well, you know, ethnic demographic profile Wichita students. Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, that's that's a it, it is. Um, it, it's not exactly. Um, you know, a third, third, and third of Hispanic, white, and African American, but it's close to that. I think our our Hispanic enrollment, you know, is somewhere around 38, 39%. Um, Caucasians around 30% African Americans, somewhere in the mid 20s, um, and then an Asian population that, that's actually growing. That's you know, uh, five to eight percent, I believe. So, um, so yeah, definitely diverse. Um, I just was talking with our um, director of ESL. Uh, English language services and um, last year we had 112 different languages spoken in the district um, I didn't even know there were 112 different languages honestly but uh, that's a pr- pretty baffling statistic um, you know by far the the most of our English language uh, students are, are Spanish-speaking in the home but you know we have uh, a large immigrant population from from all over the world uh, you know a number of students that are that are refugees families of refugees and, or students of families that are refugees. So um, diverse when it comes to economics, too, um, right around 74% free or reduced lunches, which is our metric for poverty. So about three out of every four students in the district, um, uh, you know, is, is living in poverty right now. So um, that diversity is a, is, is a challenge, but it's also a strength that creates a, uh, a great um, environment in our schools of uh, you know, really um, empathizing and, and understanding one another and, and working to get along. That's that's the real world outside of a school is a very diverse global economy, and that's what we need our kids to be ready for. Yeah, as, as what I was thinking while you were telling me that is that does that reflect what's going on in society as a whole as far as demographics as whereas Caucasians come in uh, as as actually I'm not I guess not a minority but uh, not the majority of the the demographics is that. Kind of what's going on out there in the real world, then you think? Well, I, I, I would have to speculate. I, I don't know yeah. for sure. It definitely feels that way in Wichita, um, uh, and maybe even more so in Kansas across the state. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do think we need to prepare our students for 
a future that is full of diversity. Um, I think uh, you think of how interconnected the globe is and how, um, you know, the remote work allows us to work with all, all kinds of different people all over the globe. Um, that's what our kids need to be ready for, to be future ready, is really have that exposure to all sorts of different viewpoints and, and different types of people. And you're listening to Issues 2023 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Wichita School Superintendent Kelly Bielefeld. You know, I noticed your professional background seems to be in teaching kids who may not pursue college after they graduate from USD uh, 259. Is that an accurate statement? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, it's we need to prepare kids for the future, and that is uh, definitely a moving target. Um, I think some of the factors that have come into play um, as far as, as college goes and college-going kids, one is um, – there's a lot of great jobs that don't require college degrees anymore that a, a certificate um, gets you access to, you know, a, a pretty pretty good career right out of high school or, or even with a little bit of technical school. So I don't know that that's always been the case historically in our economy, and that is becoming more and more true. Um, I also think a, a large factor for kids um, that we hear a lot from uh, juniors and seniors as they're thinking about post-secondary uh, options is, is debt. Um, it's something that I don't know that I thought much about when I took student loans, you know, 25, 30 years ago when I was in college. But um, students are very in tune to that. And so uh, the idea of, you know, going straight into college, not, you know, incurring a, a massive amount of debt uh, because of the cost of that um, is one that students are really thinking through. So I think the, some of the cool conversations we're having in our Wichita community, though, are about how our employers can uh, can work with kids in that area. So youth employment's a big passion of mine and, and one I've worked with the Workforce Center a lot on, um, getting kids connected to local employers early on in their careers. And that could be volunteering, that could be internships, that could be um, a number of different uh, things that we, we currently do. Um, but then I think employers have figured out that if they can create that relationship with those students and then maintain them um, through things like uh, tuition assistance um, as they go to college, uh, you know, they can they can create a long term, you know, eight to 10 year relationship with with an employee uh, where they're investing in one another over the years, um, as opposed to kind of the the, the old model um, that many, many of our students still do that, you know, you go straight out of high school, four years of college and then go get a job somewhere. So. Um, the, the ability to work with WSU and their applied learning with WSU Tech and, and some of their uh, opportunities to connect our kids to local employers. Um, you know, we have a workforce uh, shortage in Wichita, and we export a lot of our kids to other communities, um, you know, for, for college and for, for jobs. And if we can keep those kids here, um, it, whether that's straight into the workforce or to one of our know, higher ed institutions, um, I think our community is better off all the way around. Let's uh, hear the, the term choice when it comes to schools, choice for the students. But does that involves magnet schools, as I understand it. Uh, exactly uh, what are magnet schools here in Wichita? So our, our magnet schools are uh, different thematic schools, um, you know, K through 12, that offer uh, parents and students the ability to uh, hone in on a particular 
um, either a topic or a career path um, that they feel passionate about. So, um, you know, we have magnets in, you know, environmental sciences and STEM, you know, science, um, math, engineering, and technology, um, fine arts, performing arts, um, careers, um, all sorts of different uh, options for, for kids and families. Um, it, is, it is a way that we can um, create, you know, uh, pathways for kids that they're hopefully motivated by and then choices for parents that they see as, um, you know, something that's going to help their student get a, a competitive advantage, you know, upon, you know, upon moving on to the next step of their education, whatever that may be. But to be clear, the magnet school doesn't mean you've just – do that. I mean, it, it, the basics are also they're they're part of the curriculum in magnet schools, right? Yeah, yes, for sure. Yeah, they take the same state assessment, same ACT as everybody else. Um, it just is a, a way to kind of hone in on the focus of um, you know something that you know the kids might be particularly interested in. Uh, my some of my own kids are at a, a leadership magnet, so they do specific things around leadership. Um, and then there's there's other other options with with different focuses. So yeah, they learn all the same curriculum that that they do in the other schools. Um, it just has a particular focus with some added um, you know added uh, curricular work and content around that focus. Sure. And the, the schools were physically upgraded after the 2008 bond issue passed. Is is it time to upgrade again? Are the things that need to be done with with our schools? Well, you know. Um, that is a long time between bond issues uh, from from 2008 till now. If you look around uh, the suburbs and, and the different communities around Wichita, um, pretty much all of them have passed bond issues since you know 2008. Um, you know we have 94 attendance centers. The average age of our buildings is uh, 60 years old. Um, so we have ongoing needs um, that we, you know, we continue to try to address, and we've been able to do some some things with, uh, you know, the COVID relief money that we call ESSER money. Um, that that influx of money has allowed us to have some flexibility to do some projects for um, some controlled access to buildings for school safety uh, and some some remodeling things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So, you know, our schools are are safe places. You know, we've 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 done a good job, I think, over the years of maintaining our facilities well. Um, but yeah, the, you know, when it comes to, you know, schools like East High and North High, they are they are pillars of the community. They're important uh, for us to to keep um, because of their, you know, significance to tradition and architecture and everything. But but they also are not cheap to maintain. So um, that that continues to be a pressure that we'll feel, I think, for the future. Uh, like uh, the rest of the community, are you seeing problems with attracting new employees? You know, I, this year it's been better. The answer is yes. I mean, I think that all of education um, has, has suffered over over COVID, um, and then you see employers all over all over the city, you know, struggling to find people. Um, I feel like our our HR department has done a good job this year. We're we're um, we still have open positions. We won't have everything filled, but uh, we're sitting at a good place and, and a much better place than other urban districts um, around the nation that I know um, are really continuing to struggle with high amounts of vacancies and doing kind of drastic things in order to address that. So, um, you know, it's 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 not great, but we are not in dire straits. We'll have you know a teacher in every classroom, and that some of those will be long-term subs, but um, we'll be able to 
to do what do what we can for kids uh, from day one this year. Always, educators always talk about uh, wanting parental involvement and so forth, but it seems like the flavor of that has changed across the country. We become a, people have become a bit more outspoken and about the content that their children are being taught. And uh, should par- how what's the what's the What's the proper role? What should parents be in determining on content of books and curriculum and so forth? Well, you know, it's, I think it's important to know that our our curriculum is open to any parent who wants to wants to look at it. Um, you know, there's been some stuff in the legislature about you know parent portals and you know some things like that. And I I don't know that that for Wichita at least is really necessary because we we do uh, you know have pretty open access for parents whatever they want to see. I think. I think the root of the question, though, comes down to our ability to work with parents um, and, and make sure that they're engaged in the process of educating their kids. So um, that's a, a mantra across the district that we want to make sure we're uh, working in conjunction and cooperation uh, with our parents and guardians um, in order to, to meet the needs of, of every kid across the district. You know, and we like we already talked about, we have diverse kids, and so we, we have diverse parents, and parents have different point of views on things. Um, I, I do think that uh, public schools as an institution need to uh, become, you know, more uh, more adept at responding to, you know, what not just what parents need, but what, what workforce needs and what we see the future uh, being for our kids. Um, so right now, you know, we're, we're just starting actually today uh, uh, strategic planning process um, with, uh, you know, a, a, number, a big group of community members and internal stakeholders. And, you know, that strategic plan, we're really hoping to focus on uh, defining for our district what future ready means. You know, that's been a moniker for the district for years that we're preparing kids to be future ready. Um, but we want to lean into that and really talk about, you know, what does the future look like and what are the skills our kids need to be ready for the future? Um, we can't do that without parent support. We can't do that without parent input um, on what they value and, and hope to, to see for their student, you know, uh, in life, you know, outside of our schools uh, once they graduate. So um, I'm excited about that. I think our board is excited about that. Um, but again, you know, back kind of back to your question, it it does require us to, to you know, communicate with the parents as best we can um, and bring them along on that process so that we all together can uh, create those good, positive outcomes for kids. What would you say would be the biggest challenge you're facing as we begin the school year here at USD 259? Biggest challenge? Um, you know, I think, I, th- I think the biggest challenge, and it, it includes multiple things, but the biggest challenge is really still the lingering in- impacts of COVID. Um, you know, we had a lot of good things going academically prior to that, and that's, you know, set us back some. Um, student behavior has been a, you know, a, a topic at the forefront. You know, coming out of COVID, I think, I think we all saw across the country. Um, you know, people who were dysregulated and who weren't used to living in community and the impact of that. You know, you saw videos of, you know, people on airlines that were, you know, a- acting crazy and people in, in society that were, you know, a lot of things that we didn't see a lot as much of before COVID. And I think there, there really was a, a lingering impact of, you know, when we isolated and quarantined in order to stay safe, there was a, 
a loss of community and a loss of connection and um, maybe even a loss of, you know, uh, remembering our social norms and how we work together. And we saw the same thing in schools that everyone saw in society. Um, so, so we continue to recoup from that and, and, you know, focus on building community and building connection with kids. Well, listen, uh, thanks for spending some time. Uh, welcome to the new job and uh, best of luck to you uh, as the school year develops here. Our guest is Wichita, right. Wichita School Superintendent Kelly Billfeld. And that's all for this edition of Issues 2023. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.